0: Welcome to The One Up Project. Money is fuel that that allows you to do things. It doesn't need to be taboo. What you don't want to do is wake up at 65 realising you did something you hated and have regret. Go and find people who will give you advice for nothing. This is a space for personal growth and money chat with new perspectives every Monday. This bit of content, listening to this, is going to be a small little breadcrumb of something that makes them think a little bit differently. For all the things we were never taught, but should have been. At the end of the day, the most important person is yourself, and if you're not happy with your own choices, then you're never going to be happy. Kia ora everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the One Up Project Podcast. I feel truly lucky today to have Craig Hudson, Managing Director of Zero Altero, on the podcast. Craig, how are you?
1: I'm on doing great. ora everyone. thank you for having me on too, Sarah.
0: Today we're going to talk about leadership, I guess, generally because every time I see you pop up, whether it's in a talk I'm watching or at an event, I always take something from what you say and really admire your approach generally to what you do. So, for you, what would you say has been your first memory of being a leader?
1: Okay, it's going back a little way now. I've got two parts to that. So first piece of being a leader would be back in my rugby days of course way back so there's there's a different type of leadership in that environment though to what I what I know is okay now so Mm. the first first show of leadership is that you show no weakness that you you need to lead from the front and you need to be tough um where I actually think that is holding us back as leaders we think that that is what is required now Um, my first foray into actual people leadership and business I thought that's what I had to be um, and it didn't go very well Sarah um, so learning how to interact with more diverse individuals um, has been a bit of a journey for me.
0: When you say it didn't go very well what exactly are you thinking back on in regards to that?
1: The, the old adage of needing to be an alpha seeing how others, were, others led me thinking that that's the way that i need to lead because that's just the way you see it you can be it um Mm -hmm. but actually there is there was one particular individual that that didn't like the the expectations the way that i fronted up the lack of emotion understanding of where they're at and the authoritative tone in which i took um whereas now i know that as from the skill set that i've built over the last number of years in leadership that that I could totally see why that went bad, um, but I couldn't understand why at the time. Um, and that's mm. the, the beauty of experience, right? You learn from your mistakes and try and unpack and figure out what what you would have done differently. And the power of experience is that you're actually able to, to reflect more rather than write on it. And I didn't have any mentors at the time that I could then lean on to get advice around how to best handle that individual. I had to, school of hard knocks, I had to mm. figure it out myself.
0: What do you think led to that realisation as to why that wasn't right and then eventually changing that? Like how long did that experience sort of take?
1: Yeah, so the, this particular experience being in a, in a well-established family-run business, um, the individual that I'm talking about here with that interaction had been in the business for 20-plus years. I was this young buck, new to leadership, trying to drive change, and was effectively get out of my way let's go um, where I pushed pushed too hard um, and didn't take it learning to take her on a journey get to understand how how she operated what her truths were or drive clarity of what I'm trying to achieve um, so that brick wall just went straight up and it took how did I know that it was that it was wrong because it took six months to be able to come back to have another change conversation or to push things forward again because she was so defensive and because of the the fear of change and how I was going about it, we just totally clashed. So it it took almost two years for me to learn a different approach, to be honest. Um, in the early days of figuring out that I need to I need to take my time, I need to take people on a journey, I need to articulate the vision of why we're doing things and make them feel like they are part of the solution, not rebelling mm-hmm. against what I'm telling them the solution is. And Because change is hard for everybody, particularly in these long-standing businesses where people have been around for a long time. Um, and we don't, I don't have all the answers. So, and that again, that's something that I thought, traditional leadership, you had to have all the answers and any sign that you didn't is, a, again, poor leadership and I know now I'm the first one to put up my hand saying I've got no idea but I need your help and that's why you have mm-hmm. teams right it's you try and fill your gaps to be able to have that diversity of thought and diversity of people so that you're ultimately you're all got a melting pot to make the right decision but again that's something that's come and come with experience over over many skin knees um, and slaps on the wrist um, to be able to get to where I am today.
0: Yeah, over time I feel like something I've noticed through interviewing people or, or just talking to different people is that empathy is such an important part of leadership and empathy for others but also empathy for yourself and it seems like you've sort of come to understand that in the sense of realising you don't have to have all the answers and you don't, so you have to reach out to someone for that um, and then taking on that emotional journey. Would you say that that's been a big part of, of you understanding what, I good leadership is to you.
1: Yeah, so empathy is definitely under underplayed. It's starting to become more of a buzzword now, though. Um, mm. Can be overplayed um, in certain situations. But the mixture of, of empathy, so empathy for your, for your teams, empathy for yourself is important, um, but empathy for your customer as well because you need to be able to walk through the issues to be able to truly understand what the problem is that you're trying to solve um, or how to best position the business to maximise the opportunity in front of you. then you're able to articulate it to your team to drive alliance and and collaboration for a common goal. But you have to, from my side, you can't just be empathetic. You you have to be vulnerable as a leader as well. So the mixture of Mm. empathy and vulnerability um, to show your flaws, to put your hand up and say you don't know stuff um, as a leader is actually quite empowering for your teams rather than what we're say back in my early days of leadership having somebody in a leadership position that is unattainable they sit on this ivory tower beautiful hair amazing suits or dresses looking immaculate they have all their shit together I can never be that because Mm. it's just but actually it's not real so being vulnerable around what's going on as within your close close team so that you're you're actually able to, to give voice to some of the feelings that all your people are already le- leaning into, actually galvanises and brings teams together, which I've learnt as, um, in, particularly in the last five years, maybe a little bit longer actually since I've been at zero, that that is vitally important um, to be able to move into this new era of what good leadership looks like.
0: Mm. Yeah, and it's not always easy to be vulnerable. How have you navigated that, and I suppose, become, or well, maybe not even comfortable, but I, I guess comfortable with the idea that you need to be vulnerable
1: um, Get through learned experiences Sarah so your ability to be able to do something that is a little bit outside your comfort zone in the vulnerability space and just me then seeing what comes back, that is overwhelmingly positive um, whenever you you do put yourself in out there, the stuff you get back is is enlightening and energising Kind of scary sometimes as well. The amount of stuff that is so similar to what other people are going through. Um, but from I suppose the the number one thing for me to stress is that on the vulnerability the scale of one to ten, like you just share what you want to share. Like you don't have to. There is an, There is potentially that line of oversharing of how do you how do you understand how far to talk? What can you talk about? What is the right things to talk about? Um, You have to build trust, psychological safety within your teams before anybody is willing to be able to truly share what's going on for them at work or in life or whatever the situation is. So it takes quite a long time to be able to build up to that. But a true, in my view, anyway, a true leader leader now can build that psychological safety almost instantly because of the fact that they're authentic. People Mm -hmm. can sniff out your inauthenticity um, to be able to go, oh, actually, he's so full of shit. That's... I'm not, I don't trust him or I don't trust her. Um, So you, but demanding vulnerability from others never will work. You have to put an olive branch out and welcome it. And then how you deal with it when it comes to you is a definition of, of true leadership now of accepting it with the gratitude and the grace in which it's been given. Because sometimes it's quite big, sometimes it's not, but still it's a big deal for somebody to, share even a little bit of themselves, particularly in the work environment um, and treat it with the respect that it deserves because otherwise you'll lose the trust just like that. Um, mm. Is it your behaviour speaks louder than your words um, in this space in particular?
0: Mm. Definitely. I think trusting relationships is is so important and it I guess sometimes people can feel like it's hard to develop those trusting relationships with the people in at their workplace that are in positions of power that technically hold this title of leadership. But I would say, and I assume you would agree that you don't have to be in a position of, of power to demonstrate leadership. How would you suggest someone could go about demonstrating leadership if they aren't in in one of those positions or, or don't feel like they have, I guess the, the power in air quotes to be able to do that.
1: Yeah. So like that, that's where vulnerability isn't right um, because it, it's potentially seen if the if your leaders aren't in a position to be able to accept it, and the grace I was just talking about, that potentially will be career-limiting for you. Right? So you have to be in a safe environment to be able to push to the extent that I was just talking about before. But leadership can be anybody. Like anybody in any organisation can lead. Um, to be in a privileged position of leadership, like I am, and other leaders that are probably potentially listening to this are, it, it's not based on your job title, unfortunately. Um, It's the actions that you take every day. Um, It's the language that you're potentially able to use. It's the how can I help question that comes in regardless of the organisational structure of where you sit. I have an idea. How can I bring this to life? Sharing it with the right people, taking it, picking a cause within an organisation. We've got an example within the Within the sustainability space a couple of years ago, that was people led by zero. It wasn't leaders that were leading it. It was our people saying we need to be better in the sustainability space. They were measuring um, a number of different data points themselves in their own time around where we'd put recycling bins, what signage we put on recycling bins and weighing it and measuring it and then feeding that back to the leaders within the business of this is what we found, we need to be doing more. Uh, That's a ground up leadership opportunity whereas you cannot lead um, vulnerability from the inside from the ground up that unfortunately is the weight of leadership that it has to come from the top vulnerability Mm -hmm. and psychological safety has to be led from the top otherwise you're going to effectively erode relationships create unsafe environments where people will share Others will see their reaction that that happens and they'll never share because I've seen what's just transpired with some, with one of the individuals. But that's a common misconception around leadership. You have to have a title or you have to be in a management role. That's, that's definitely not the case. There's lots of opportunity to own lots of things. It's just one, you have to be brave enough to say, can I help? And this is, this is what I'm seeing um, within an organisation that hopefully your leaders will go that's actually a really good idea how do you how do you see that happening um, so you might actually get a little bit more work on the back of it of course um, because just throwing a problem at somebody in leadership is probably not the greatest idea um, but going with this is what I'm seeing in here maybe this could be a solution for us is a great place to start
0: Were there people, and you said you didn't really have mentors back in in the rugby days, but then I guess after that and moving forward, did you have people in your life who influenced this definition of leadership that you have now?
1: Um, Actually, I had a few mentors within the rugby environment that I was able to to lean on, but it was more the transition from sport into business where I didn't, because I didn't have a background of business. I didn't go to university. I've got no formal qualifications whatsoever. So that network was relatively small for me. And so it was within the confines of the business that I was working in. They were the mentors, but it was more, I don't want to be like that. <laughs> um, mm. This, this I, I saw the how the negative impact of their behavior was playing out on others, how it was playing out on me. And that's when I went into my first real state of depression. And because of the work environment, the pressure, the misalignment of values, the Mm. how I was clashing with that particular environment. So moving from a, a business like that to a business that is family owned and picking some of the values and some of the behaviours of the managing director of that business that I liked. And it doesn't have to be realising that nothing's perfect. And that was another journey that I needed to go on that no one has ever completely rounded, but you can take good bits from everybody um, and leave the rest but it's how you survive those relationships when some things really grate you that I've learnt over time to deal with. But that seeing it, to believe it, to be it, is, for me, is really important. I needed to, having not come through the scholar route, having not come through the ranks of many businesses where I've had exposure to to how things could be done, I've kind of had to make a whole lot of shit up myself um, and test and learn, Um, and as I've got more senior and more exposure within a business like Xero, of course, and you're exposed to far more exceptional leaders um, and other business leaders as well, that you're actually able to put language to some of the stuff that you're already doing, which Mm. was quite an epiphany for me. Um, But it's I needed to figure out how do I put my hand up and say help in a mentor relationship, and I'm still not comfortable with that, but I'm able to sit back Mm. and go, I like what that person does. How can I bring that into what I do? How can I take the philosophy that I've just heard on that podcast because actually that really resonates with me? How can I bring that into into actionable things that I can do as part of the way that I operate, and then test it within the business? Um, that's that's crucial for me. That testing, um, and we can talk about a little bit of an education journey that I went on a little bit a little while ago. But that that testing and evolving, we. Traditionally in leadership or in business, you go to these flash courses um, for a day, cost 1500 bucks. You go and have a nice morning tea and a nice lunch. And you're like, no, that was a great day, but you don't actually implement anything in the business um, Mm. on the back of it. So that macro credentials, the test to learn, evolve, actually it didn't work. How do we put it at something else into place? that's going to work better for me Um, because Mm. we're all unique. something that we can unpack a little bit later, maybe.
0: Yeah. I would love to because I was going to ask that I guess journey through those lived experiences and taking that and then and trying to test and iterate on things you've seen that did or didn't work is that something that you and I probably this probably changed as time went on but was that a conscious thing that you were doing or with hindsight do you now look back and realize that's that's what you were, were doing in terms of taking little bits from people's leadership and applying them and changing and so on
1: a little bit of both in that so hindsight is a wonderful thing um, and my my first foray into business was a tally salesperson so I was I was able to mirror and find alignment or shared value with people over the phone while I'm building rapport um, and that's almost taken a lot of those skill sets into leadership but I lost myself in that because I could be anything to anybody, but I didn't have strong values myself. Um, mm. And now that I have a solid, more solid grounding of what I stand for, what I think is okay, um, I'm able to live it more consistently, which is great. But the, the epiphany for me on my leadership journey was um, I had a not a great experience in one of the businesses that I was working with as a commercial lead was going to go for went for a more senior role in this small business um, and I missed out on that role and the consultant I'd put in place to explore whether I there should be a role was given the role rather than me. Um, <clears throat> that was quite a it was quite a hard at the time the hardest thing I've been through in, in business to be able to figure out what is my worth. But one of the things i got on the back of that was well if you don't think i'm good enough for the role along with a lot of reframing that my wife helped me through and coaching how do we turn this into a positive was that i was able to get funding to go on to a course at auckland university with um it's a leadership mindset course it was put together by dr lester levy i think it's still in operation i've spoken to it being back to speak to current cohorts a couple of times since but that course was three chunks of two days um, where I'd travel up to Auckland, spend two days learning the theory. And then there was three or four weeks between between the sets when we'd come together. And that's where the testing and evolving would come through. You'd learn these concepts. Your challenge was then to go and p- apply some of these um, philosophies or leadership styles into action within the business. And then you had to report back. Um, so it meant that you literally had to Tangibly go and pull levers and put things in place um, based on what you'd learned. And I learned through that that there was terminology for the things that I was already doing. I walked into the room to start with and I was uneducated, coming from a small business, there was people from Auckland District House Board and these big businesses that were there. And I was like, who am I to be in a room with all of these superior beings? This is quite confronting. and quite hard but at the end of the first two days it was like actually that language I'm already doing some of this stuff so it gave me a little bit more confidence and meant that I could fit in to that leadership cohort because I was able to talk around well that thing that you're talking about I, this is how I do it um, and realize that actually I am capable enough to be able to to compete with the with the more senior individuals that I would have traditionally thought as, like I said, the superior beings. So that course was instrumental to me, but it also highlighted that business can be quite quite excluding with the acronyms and the mm. the way we talk about stuff. It's not very inclusive, um, and that's something that I've been able to bring into zero and how we how we talk about things, how we break things down. So it's more understanding, even though we have to have a Slack bot that. People can go in, what the hell does this mean? Um, And the Mm -hmm. system will tell you. But it it just highlighted that there is different paths to leadership and we should be inclusive of everything. And the language that we use within our organisations can hold people back.
0: It's similar across financial literacy as well and accessibility to that kind of information. And in general, uh, business as well, sorts of acronyms or different words that are really just covering up a very simple definition underneath that could have been explained, I guess, in more accessible language. And so when you go into a course like that, it seems like you went in feeling like you said, who am I to be here? And, and then afterwards you were able to articulate what you are already doing a lot more through what you learned in the course. How from then have, do you look at confidence? If now you go into a situation where you might not feel the most confident how do you think about that situation
1: yeah i can catch myself that actually i've got a track record where i i should be okay um imposter syndrome is still alive and well for me though sarah like it's it's still in the i just need to control it more Mm. and have the skills to be able to control it whereas historically i probably wouldn't the stories that i was telling myself were were we're not very nice um, to be honest um, around my capability or what I'm capable of or what I, should I should I be valued um, whereas I've got a little bit more clarity on my value um, what I'm good at what I'm not good at um, and what I stand mm-hmm. for so again that comes with a little bit of experience which is a beautiful thing but we we aren't we are our biggest critics and I don't know many people that aren't um, that self-talk is, is brutal nobody talks to me like I talk to myself um, sometimes it gets out of control and that's kind of some of the pitfalls that I've had with my mental health journey mm. but I've built the skills to be able to not let it get out of control but um, one of the um, examples of how out of control it was for me was my time early days at zero when I was looking after Europe, middle east and africa out of out of the uk I was on a train on the way to london it's a 40 minute fast train to go into canary wharf which is like the hub of financial heartbeat of the world almost um, and people walking around in three thousand dollar minimum suits all looking amazing i rock up in jeans and t-shirt to present to um, the global ceo group of kpmg um, walking into the one of the top floors in Canary Wharf, I was shitting myself, the self-doubt was massive around why, who, why are they going to listen to me in this little company from a set of rocks in the South Pacific, Why, what's the benefit, I've got nothing that they want, so I was really, I was quite scared, I was able to start that presentation, I did a little bit of a whakatoki, um, which calmed me down, um, and we built, I was able to get into my flow a little bit and i left that meeting realizing that just because people wear flash suits and speak in flash accents or big words it doesn't mean they're any better than me Um and now i have the personal building myself up to go into these environments if people are that immaculate state and look like they've got all their shit together the thing i tell i'm telling to myself when i'm meeting them is I wonder what you're hiding um, because nobody has all their shit together. Um, and mm. they've had to put their armour on to feel comfortable. Um, and their armour is the immaculate nature of the external vision. So that's how I kind of survive um, mm-hmm. and the story that I'm able to reflip in my mind.
0: And I think a, a big part of confidence, or at least my own confidence as well, has been learning how to understand who I am and what I care about and what I value and actually having a clear kind of view of that and and working that out through talking to people in in different experiences myself have you found that through this you've had to try and understand a lot more about yourself and how have you gone about doing that
1: yeah like you can't do any I don't think I would be here without going through the journey of self-awareness that I've had to go through Um, Mm. so the transition from having my sporting career taken away because of chronic illness to my wife supporting me to get back on my feet and my first actual job was a was a swim coach part-time swim coach to where i am today that journey of self-discovery and knowing my body because of the position i was in after rugby um, and then the mental health journey that i went on i needed to implicitly understand my triggers and what makes me tick and then trying to align what I do to values and who I am and what I stand for and just and not compromising on those too much.
0: Um, mm. It
1: has been a heck of a journey, but I think it's imperative that we all need to, we all need to do self-awareness before we try and understand others. Like if, otherwise you're not on solid ground. Um, and that's where human psychology really comes in. If, you, if you're strong in who you are, you come across in a far more authentic way. And that's, like I talked around my first one of the, the gigs sort with of tele-sales that I had. Um, I didn't know who I was. So how could people authentically connect with me um, when I'd be someone completely different all the time? So I had to work with a, work with a psychologist out of Tauranga um, that my employer um, put in place when he noticed that I wasn't actually doing very well. Um, and she was able to help me Unpack first of all who I was, and then what I stood for, and build my skill set and my or my kitty to be able to figure out my triggers and what works for me because I'm we're all unique, and, and that's probably held me in really good stead. And I've also got really good grounding at home. Like my wife's able to call me on lots of stuff, and she's probably my biggest coach and advocate that I've ever had. So that relationship is crucial, um, but that, that external grounding of your values because we all get challenged on them right and um, you probably mm-hmm. do every day and um, before you know it you've gone down a road where you're completely somewhere different to where you th- thought you would or what's aligned to you Um if you're not really strong and what's what you think is okay I, i'm it's ever evolving because our positioning changes depending on the external or internal environment that's coming at you but My number one thing is self-awareness is crucial. Before you understand people, you need to understand yourself.
0: Definitely. I just um, finished a book recently, and one of the main themes throughout the book was that you can only connect with others as much as you've connected with yourself, which carries the same thought. And I think it's really important. something we talk about a lot on this podcast actually as well. How would you suggest young people – Aim to be leaders every day within their communities or jobs. We've touched on how if you don't have, you know, that kind of status within a company, um, you can still be a leader. I think sometimes people can often feel lost with feeling like a small fish in a huge pond and not knowing direction. What would you suggest to those people?
1: That it's unrealistic to be a leader every day. Um, Mm -hmm. It's almost a minute-by-minute opportunity, so... Even when you're in the privileged position of leadership, sometimes you're going from leadership to management to doing all in the space of 10 minutes Um, because it's you almost need to, my advice is look at situationally. So where is the opportunities for you to lead? Where's the opportunities for you to manage and where do you have to do? And sometimes to be able to build credibility within your organization or the role that you do, you are. Focused on the doing because that's what your job is. It's what you have to do. Anything else is over and above. I've had too many people that come in that have worked with me, or that I've seen within organisations where they over-index outside of their day job too much and don't do their day job very well. and Whereas actually, you focus on the day job stuff first, get a sound understanding of what that role is and your capability, and start nailing stuff. And then the other opportunities you can start leaning into. Otherwise, you the conflict between what you're actually there to do and what others might see you doing. Um, particularly in traditional organizations, it's, that will be quite a conflict. Um, but look at your direct team. Like you're a member of a team, a smaller team within a bigger team, within a bigger team, usually in, an, in a bigger organization. How can you lead those individuals to be thinking about things differently? How can you be joining the dots to be able to lead culture? How can you be thinking about um, what others might need and putting those little things in place on a daily basis. So are you a connector? So every team has a connector, but their job title doesn't have connector, but they're socially connecting person by nature. So empowering them to be the social animal, the one that's pulling things together, having fun things for people to do once a week or just brings the life of the party to, to how you turn up at work. That's a leadership opportunity because you're leading culture. Um, It's not a problem that you're addressing like we talked around before, but you're you're leading into your strengths of what you see in front of you. So look at the situations, how can you influence on a better outcome and lean into it and, but do your day job really well first. Otherwise you'll be, you'll miss future opportunities because you're too worried about or focused on things that are outside of your wheelhouse.
0: It seems like when you do are in the privileged position of leadership or you are able to to lead people and and you feel like you're doing that to the best of your ability it's extremely fulfilling what would you say has been the most fulfilling part of, of your role within Zero?
1: this is where joy comes from right um and this true sense of belonging so you you have common goals you drive clarity um there but you can't do it alone. So the number one thing for me is seeing people grow and seeing people move into other other roles and going from a certain level in the organisation to something bigger and better and being really proud rather than some leaders are more protection focused on holding their teams together because they have certain goals they need to execute whereas I'm, I'm more of a, what's the terminology, servant leadership I suppose where I'm sitting back and I'm pushing my people forward. I'm not the one like I would have traditionally thought would be what leadership looks like out the front, follow me, not saying much, but follow the actions that I do. I'm more in the background pushing people forward where I see their strengths, seeing the gaps, moving people forward and being more strategic about things. So seeing them grow into other other opportunities, is that's pretty special, although it is quite painful from an operational perspective because you have to fill the gap. Mm. But... But I get over that relatively quickly. I'll cry on my books the next morning and then we move on. Um, and then I suppose the, the next one is once you're able to drive strategic alignment, and it's only happened a couple of times at zero, um, drive strategic alignment, have common goals, and then you get out of people's way and you just see them execute and seriously smash things out of the park and the joy collective joy and celebration and pride that comes through when people truly do that as a collective, not just an individual, is, that's pretty special. And I think I, I strive for that in every project we do with it, with every more listed company, so every half, every full year, trying to drive the best alignment, blessed clarity so that we're, we're all on the walker together Sometimes it comes off, sometimes it doesn't. But when it does, that is business utopia. Like the endorphin rush you get, the sense of connection and belonging is off the charts. Um, so I, we strive for that. And if you've ever had it, you know what I'm talking about. If you've never had it, you, you crave it. Um, and that's what you, what you turn up to go to work for. Um, so, yeah, that's two of the things that, I'm, that I love the most, I think.
0: Do you have any thought leaders within the leadership space or or just leaders, people um, within businesses that you personally admire or or look to for any guidance in this area?
1: Yeah, there there are. So internationally, there's a few. Um, So any of the books or work that, say, Patrick Lencioni has done, um, so leaning into those, there's a few books that he's done. Um, Simon Sinek's work around organisational understanding is is really quite powerful as well, um, and then Brené Brown re- more recently, um, Dare to Lead is probably a good one to be able to lean into, and in the power of vulnerability. Um, so, those are three. Dr. Pepper Grange is the is probably the last one, the more recent one that I've that I've picked up. And there's a couple of things in her book of How to Fear Less, which has um, kind of really resonated with me in the last little while. Um, particularly on one of her things that she talks around, um, winning deep and willing shallow. Um, and you win deep when you truly understand yourself, you're aligned to purpose, and you have a goal that is that means more to you. Um, that's winning deep, and you're able to sit in it, whereas actually we're, we're more focused on willing shallow, which is the small endorphin rushes. You tick something off, you move straight to the next thing, and it do, you don't sit and bask in your glory for very long. So those are a few international ones for you to be able to, to lean into if you're listening to this. Um, domestically, there's a there's a few exceptional leaders, of course, in New Zealand. Um, some you'd I'd put up, say maybe Rob Fife um, is one of those. Um, Rob Campbell, um, who's chairman of Sky City, exceptional human um, and approaches things in a really unique way that I'm that I've been leaning into and and watching how he operates. We um, learnt a lot from current CEO as well, Steve, Z- Steve Zamos. Zamos um, is a pretty special guy, been around for a long time. He's got incredible genes. Um, he looks like he's in his 40s, but he's in his 60s. Um, so I hope I look as good as him when I'm older. But he's been through a lot um, and I've been able to work closely with him in, in the last um, four years, which, is, which has been pretty special.
0: Hmm. I thought I could hear themes of some of those international ones you mentioned come through. I've got a slight obsession with every book that Simon Sinek has read and the quote that I mentioned before from the book I just finished is Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. Brené, so yeah. very good um, book uh, that I really enjoyed. So it's awesome to have those people to to lean into as well. Uh, thank you, Craig, so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and yeah, I look forward to seeing what everyone pulls out of this and can implement and test for themselves. So, thank you so much.
1: My pleasure, Sarah. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the One Up Project. If you want to find more stuff just like this, check out our other apps or follow us at the One Up Project on Instagram or TikTok. See you there.